Welcome back to the Sandhills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. I'm joined by Pastor Eric, where we are going to be discussing the movie Soul. Now, we, how does that play into 2020 in review, you might be asking yourself? It's a great question. It's because movies were awful in 2020 because <laughs> so many things were not able to be released. So all the series were like, maybe we'll just grab the one that we'll release on the internet. Yeah. And we'll charge people fifteen dollars to rent it. Yeah, you know, like it was like a ticket. And they did that with all the bad movies that they're like, we weren't originally going to even release this, but uh, we found it on a shelf back there. So give us your money, please. So we'll go and release it, and people can do movies that way. Yeah. But then we found the gem of Soul at the end of the year, where it was Disney Pixar, which has a great track record of producing yep. really fun movies. But this isn't just a fun movie. It's got a really deep spiritual connection. So that's what we're going to be talking tonight is the spiritual aspects of soul. What does it get right? What does it get wrong? So we'll jump into that. Uh, Eric, mm -hmm. what do you think the movie gets right? Um, so a couple things. And I will say um, just as kind of a, you know, top level review, like when I started watching it, you know, I, I am a Disney Pixar fan. One, well, I'm mm -hmm. just a Disney fan. I love going, I've only been, I've been to Disney a couple times. I love the Magic Kingdom. I actually love all the Disney princess movies. So like I'm in on the genre. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I've never a, been, I'm so. not a hater. Oh my God. It'll change your life. We're going in December. Oh Family trip. Gosh. And and our last name's Daybeck. So we're going to do the shirt and it's going to have the Disney. Oh, the Disney D right? with all the, oh yep. dude, that's that going to be intense. Isn't man. that awesome? I'm that's very good. excited. I'm oh. the only one in my family that's never been. Going to Disney as an adult is like the best thing. And if you go without kids, go without kids first. E even better. Even better. <laughs> even better. <laughs> to all the kids that are eventually going to be seeing this, we do love you. We, we do. But it's different. It's a rough, it's a haul. But anyway, all that to say. So I, I'm, a, I, I'm a fan. I'm not mm -hmm. a hater. Um, my first impressions i gave it a like it not love it of the movie mm. um as pixar goes i didn't think it was a strong story there wasn't kind of a lot at stake i mean which is odd to say when you're talking about death afterlife right. and, a, and a soul so just story-wise it wasn't as strong but there was i mean on a movie making level the animation was gorgeous absolutely the music fantastic i mean like when he's in that jazz club no spoilers or anything but like some of the lighting oh, yeah. was just like i was like it's like you're there. Oh, yeah. And then some of the, like, there's a shot at the end when he has these elements on the piano, and they look, I was like, that looks like a real piece of bagel. That looks like a real, like, incredible. Yeah. So, but some of the things I thought they got right besides some of the technical aspects, um, it, it was interesting. I mean, one, the fact that they're, one, let's just go with the low-hanging fruit. There is an afterlife. Yeah. There's more, like, there is a permanence. This isn't it. There is a permanence mm -hmm. beyond the material world. There is a spiritual element, or at least a non-chemical, biological element to human beings. It's different. It's other. Yeah. Right. It's intangible, and it's now represented as these little disembodied souls. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just kind of like, okay, hey, we can chalk up. They're going. They're not mm -hmm. going the total material route. Gotcha. Right. Um, and then also, one of the things I thought, actually, I thought one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was when, um, it's funny, Tina Fey as this black guy is getting a haircut in the barbershop. You know, I mean, it's her voice in his body, which is this crazy right. weird thing. Um, it's a really fun setup. It's oh, very humorous. You're just like, what? And uh, the conversation that happens in the chair, and the whole thing mm -hmm. was kind of magical about the chair, which was fun about it. But um, 
having this conversation about as, you know, being this kind of disembodied soul, having watched people all this life, and then talking about all these deep things, and everyone in the barbershop is just like enraptured. But she gets to the point of saying, talking to the barber, when she actually asked him about his life and what he wanted to do, and he said, I wanted to be a vet. And she's like, well, then you must be really sad that you never got to kind of live out your, your, purpose. your purpose. Yeah. And he goes, being a vet was never my purpose. And she's like, well, huh? And then he kind of talks about it. And I can't remember how he got there, but it was a funny thing. Is he said, I realized whether I was being a vet or being a barber, I'm saving lives. Yeah. And it was that cool thing of he realized you're, it was the, the fact that they got right is your purpose in life is not tied to vocation. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, was, I was like, that, that's a big right. That's a big one because I think there's a lot of pressure in our society to mm -hmm. tie your purpose to your capabilities, to your education, to your vocation. And you're like, no, no, you could live out a purpose and you could live out a satisfied, fulfilling purpose in actually even in moving around. Because even mm -hmm. as what people say nowadays is, you know, in past generations, you did usually have a career that you were worked at the same place for 30 years, retired, whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, for young people, you're looking at this atmosphere and this landscape of you're going to be bouncing around job to job. You're going to five to 10 years. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to change sometimes even career fields just because that's the necessity of it. And so I think for a lot of younger people, you look at that and you kind of get dismayed and kind of like, well, how am I ever, ever going to have what my parents had? Mm -hmm. They had a stable purpose. They knew what they were going to do. I'm always going to be in flux. And you're like, yeah, but you're, if you don't tie your purpose to your vocation, you're going to be cool wherever you're at. If yeah. you realize that his, you know, Dez's character was like, I'm, I'm saving lives. His whole character, his, his purpose, or in that moment, kind of what he expressed was what really satisfies, fulfills me, gives me that sense of meaning mm -hmm. is I'm affecting people's lives for the better. Yeah. And I can do that whether I'm giving a kick and haircut or, you know, saving a, an animal's life, whatever. It's like, there's that kind of thing that they're doing. And so that I thought was a really great scene yeah. and gets at some really helpful truth that's generally applied to anyone, believer or non-believer. And I think is an, a necessary thing to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I thought one of the really good things that they had in there as well was you see this guy uh, and he's spinning the sign, oh, right? Gosh. He's really zone. funny. Yeah, and you get what, into the zone. moon star or wind star? Yeah, <laughs> and so he's able to access the spiritual realm when he gets into the zone. Like, And they're like, athletes do this, musicians do this. Yeah. When you get into that special place, you, you get into a spiritual realm somewhere else and you get to connect to that side of you and for him it's very funny that he's a guy spinning a sign on the side of the road <laughs> yeah it's almost it's like hilarious. one of those flappy you know yeah. but that's all he's doing you know and and i love that that's that concept that we still on this side of the material world can still access mm. the spiritual and i think i'm like that's prayer mm. like what is that but like we it, it doesn't look the same obviously we're not you know, piloting a ship through some really cool, right. you know, animation world. Right. But we really get a real opportunity to be people that are, have, have two different makeups that we have a spiritual component yeah. to us as humans. And mm -hmm. we have a, a material side of us, mm -hmm. the material fade away. The spiritual will last forever. But while you're still in the material, you can still access that spiritual side and you can yeah. be in prayer Mm -hmm. And you can be uh, talking to the Lord well, and, and, and supplication, and that, all these things. And that's where I think you can take mm -hmm. that. Again, there's that element of truth we were talking Absolutely. about beforehand is that even people who, you know, non-believers, they have no, maybe they have some guiding religious principles, but you can get to those elements of truth in that, like you said, it, there's ways to connect mm -hmm. and not in a, 
like mystical. I mean, sometimes mystical is not bad, but not in an inappropriate, right. like for Christians, not in an inappropriate way, but connecting to God, let's not underplay the mystical, the kind of mysticality of it. Like we are really believing that when we pray, we are communing with an infinite, intangible, invisible being right, that, that exists is outside other. of time and space. Mm-hmm. That's pretty weird when you think it about is. it. It's wild. But but like the fact that kind of just that when you can do the thing in the zone and it's like and we're not necessarily we're talking about in meditation you assume like some kind of astral plane or something. Right. But sometimes like let's be real like maybe like when you're singing do you feel like you have that connection with God and a you're kind of like connection. when people say like man I just felt like God's presence right here. Mm. Like that's a that's a that's a real, thing, a real that thing that can happen and you're like you said you're kind of it's like when the when the spiritual world and the earthly world are colliding, and mm-hmm. there's this kind of like I, I, there's, there's something a, special there's a presence and a special yeah. thing. And like again, I think athletes like one of my favorite um, quotes um, from movies actually is about a believer. But in Chariots of Fire, when you're talking about the um, Olympian um, mm-hmm. Eric Little, Scottish runner, also a rugby player, which was kind of cool back in the day, and then a missionary over to China, which he's brilliant man overall. But he had this great line in the movie when his sister is trying to get him to go into missions and like, you need to be more about the mission and all this kind of stuff. And he says, but God made me fast. Mm. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Wow. And you're like, dude, that's, that's deep. That's deep. And that's one of those, and to that, to that point, I think that is hitting on truth is God has wired people in some different ways. And that's also, I think where soul kind of gets it right is there is some differences, some unique giftings that god gives people Mm -hmm. that personality you know they have it whereas it's in this intangible great before somehow you're doled out personality um but i think god you know we look at psalm knitted you together in your mother's Mm -hmm. womb when he is creating people there there is personality he's giving him and there's giftedness he's giving Mm -hmm. him sometimes physical giftedness sometimes spiritual giftedness and i think when we when we live out the way that god has designed us we are satisfied and he is glorified. Absolutely. And that's one of those things that are, where, again, they kind of got... They got close. They got close. They got, they got as close. close as they could because they just don't have that final piece. Right. But they got close there. So yeah. that was a good one. And then that was going to be the next question. What are some of the things they got wrong? And, yeah. and obviously, whenever you talk about what you get right outside of Scripture, there's going to be an element of it that ultimately fell short. Right. And in that same way, if if you look at your ability to do life if you look at your passion where you're going at in life and you take that apart from christ mm-hmm. and you take it apart from from how he's leading you you're ultimately not going to be fully satisfied or fully fulfilled without the one who gave you that if right. you're trying to do everything apart from that it, it, it just won't be quite there right but and when you have it like you're saying it works it clicks you feel satisfaction his glorification and everything. And it just, it's this constant, um, you kind of think of like a snowball growing into mm. an avalanche as it rolls down a hill and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger as you walk inside of that. Absolutely. And as believers, we get to enjoy that. And it's sad for the non-believer that thinks, man, this is it. Yeah. Right. But there's more. Oh yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a good segue into what I thought is the, um, the big letdown of the movie, mm-hmm. which is actually just the very end. Yeah. Um, I was watching it with my wife. We had to split it up over a couple of nights because we're lame and we had to go to sleep early. <laughs> um, but we have a two-year-old, so gosh. So, There's grace. You're forgiven. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but man, when we got to the end, 
Um, and again, spoiler alerts, everyone. So if you haven't watched we'll, it, we'll put a disclaimer yeah. at the beginning of the clip. Um, so you get to the end, you know, he, he's lived his whole life thinking music is my purpose. And mm. so when he dies and he's trying to get back in, he's like, I guess I want to play this jazz gig. And then he meets 22, who's the disembodied soul who has no, you know, doesn't want earth. Right. So when, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like the message at the end when, when he was kind of like gonna, um, you know, give up earth so that she could enjoy it because she kind of finally found it, but it was never really explained what she found. And I knew they were kind of maybe trying to do that with this artistic, you know, inter open for interpreting a little bit, but I was disappointed. I'm like, they ever actually put their finger on what did she find Yeah, that, you know, was her spark or whatever. And, and also how they defined spark and purpose. I was getting mixed up in how they're using yeah. that because it didn't seem clear, but and then his final summation, when he gets his second chance, because he gave up his spot, she goes down, and then basically the spirits who are controlling things say, you know, we've never seen anyone do that, so you get to go back in. He goes back to his body. He steps out his door, and the over, you know, the voiceover says something like, I, you know, I thought my purpose was music, but I've realized what my purpose is, my purpose for life, and I'm going to live every moment of it, or something like that. Mm -hmm. I actually looked at my wife, Anna, and I was like, so I had to think about it for a minute. I'm like, did this movie just end with saying the purpose of life is living? Yeah. And like miss like its whole beginning. And, and, and you, it's like, wait. And I'm like, and there's part of me going, but what does that mean? Yeah. What does it mean to live? What does it mean? Oh, to live. And, and the other thing that I caught is, so I kind of get what they mean, especially because they dropped all the hints of, you know, 22 Tina Fey's character you know, she found joy in eating the slice of pizza. She found joy in the little, you know, pine cone seed that fell out of the sky. Right. She found joy in listening to music. And, and they termed it as she's jazzing. You know, she's just enjoying life. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it was the purpose of life is to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. And my immediate counter to that, like if, if I was talking to a creator of soul and, mm -hmm. and it was someone maybe who really believed, yeah, I think that is the purpose. My, my genuine question would be, what happens when life's not enjoyable? Because mm. then it all falls apart. Absolutely. If life is to be made, if all of life is to be enjoyed, and then you encounter some horrible hardship and yeah. it's not enjoyable, yeah, life is gone now. Right, and meaning and then, is gone. And and that's where I think generations have been sold a false bill of goods. Mm. When you've built up this expectation of the purpose of life is again is kind of to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. If it's all about just your enjoy, or even to help others enjoy life, man, what happens? And to me, it's a it's a very cultural centric, Western centric view. Like mm. third world countries, can can your my um, to me a good test of is your worldview strong enough, and is your purpose for life strong enough? Can it cross cultural boundaries? Can mm. it cross socioeconomic boundaries? Can it cross age all, boundaries? Yeah, age generation, like so. I, I looked at that and I'm like. Does that work over in a third world country? Does that no. work under a brutal dictatorship? Yeah, it, it falls. It falls apart. It's it's like because your foundation is gone. Like mm -hmm. if life isn't enjoyable, because then you start going, well, I can't enjoy this. Therefore, I have no purpose. Mm -hmm. Therefore, why do I exist? It's very dark, very fast. I know. I I actually I literally. My wife and I were actually like, I'm kind of depressed after That's watching this sad. Pixar movie. Yeah. And it was like, and it's like most people I don't think will get that. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things about, um, and for me when I was thinking about it is as a believer 
engaging in culture. I think it's really important to engage in culture. I'm not talking about banning or boycotting movies. I'm not really into that. Right. Um, so watch it, but critically consume it. Don't right. just don't just accept it. Just don't just, don't just accept it, and or even write it off as well. It's just a movie. Yeah, but it's telling. I mean, particularly in this one, it's overtly telling a very specific story, and it's sending a message about big things in life. It's literally right. telling children defining worldview purpose. Yeah, it's, it's setting up worldview for everyone, and it's like, and that's a powerful thing because I started thinking about it, and I'm like, well, what? You know, you know, in the last podcast, you did a great job talking with, you know, Pastor Malcolm about the political unrest and even with Jeff talking about all the just the the, t- the tough times with COVID. And we're, as we're thinking about everything and everything big came up in 2020, you always go, how do we get there? How did we get there? How do we get here? Like, well, um, I heard a, I heard I heard it said like politics is downstream from culture. Mm. So I think, OK, that makes sense. So what's upstream? What's upstream from culture? You know, what creates, if, if culture creates our political climate, our social climate. What's creating our culture. What's creating our cultural climate. And I thought stories. And it right. really is. If you think about the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the TV shows we watch. And then I thought about, think about education. Education's telling a story. From pre-K to PhD, you're getting a narrative. A narrative. Absolutely. And when we just consume that narrative, or even if we kind of, as Christians, do we kind of just dismiss it and go, well, that's just the world's narrative. Yeah, but are you ever going to offer a, a, a counter-narrative? Counter? Yeah. What's your alternative? It's huge. That's one of the reasons why I encourage and love theater for yeah. Christians, is I was in theater. I was the president of the Thespians, mm-hmm. uh, which for those of you that don't know, Thespis was the first original actor in classical Greek culture. Um, and that's where actors get their name from is that idea. And the reason I didn't know it at the time, but when I was in high school doing it, studying it, and when I was in DC doing shows in the city and enjoying that, the Lord was preparing me to learn how to tell stories Mm. to learn. And and it's different obviously, but now when I get up and as a pastor and I preach the word, I'm I'm reading scripture and it's so much more alive when I think of it as a story and not a law book. Right. If you if you read a legal code, it's gonna be dry oh my and God. sad. I mean, it's like who wants yeah. to read Apple's terms of agreement? I don't. I just click accept. Right. Every time. <laughs> I mean, like, every you time. Don't. But my guess is sixty pages. But who wants to watch a Pixar movie or even a Pixar short? Every a short, especially those are fun. Those are great. And that's like one of those things where um going back because I, I had to find some good I had some good quotes that I mm-hmm. I mean like not just for the other things that I've heard in the past that resonated to me. There's this one. Um, I looked it up again. I heard it from Ravi Zacharias, um, and then I've heard it all over places. But it's from Andrew Fletcher, who was a Scottish politician and writer back in like 1600s. Mm-hmm. And he had a longer quote, but it's paraphrased down to, he says, let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care who writes its laws. Mm. And what he's saying is, that's the idea of that politics is downstream from culture. If, I, if, if, you, if, you, if you control the culture... If you control the, and I say media, not in the sense of mainstream media like we hear now, but like the media outlets, the way that people consume stories. If you are in the places where your story is being told, you will influence society more so than a law. Right. You know, so even as Christians, one of the efforts I think is we've mistakenly sometimes put all of our eggs in the, I elect this person, Christianity will rise in America. Right doesn't work and that they way. don't do anything about the and culture they don't do anything about the culture they don't like i loved what malcolm said they 
don't get involved in school board meetings. I'm, I'm guilty. Like, mm-hmm. I've literally never been to a school board meeting. I'm not engaging in that cultural space. You know, they don't, or for a while, they in, actually encourage people to avoid Hollywood, to avoid television, right. to avoid the theater. And you're like, we just seeded all of yeah, that space. Yeah, when you avoid that, you don't engage it. When right. you don't engage it, you can't influence it. And that was one of the greatest things, I don't know if people know, but before... Um, before I even took a kind of pastoral job at another church before Sandhills, at the end of uh, my college career, I did a semester out in LA at this small film study center, had to do an internship at a place, at a business in Hollywood. So it was a cool experience for three months. Um, and the, it was a Christian school that I was at and they brought in people, Christians in the industry who would talk to us. And it was actually a, a writer and producer from the sitcom, that 70 show. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people would go like, there's a Christian who worked on that Sunday yeah. show. That's not a Christian show. And it's not. I've seen some episodes. I'm like, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. What he said he viewed his role as in the writer's room is he said, Jesus called us to be salt and light. What's one of the things that salt does? It's a preservative. Mm. He's like, I viewed part of my job is to hold back kind of the cultural rot. Mm. It's like, if I wasn't there, some episodes would have gone way further. Right. Isaac, I was able to some to pull them back just a little bit sometimes. Right. To keep them from going so far. He's like, and then sometimes legit straight up interject or inject, you know, my truth. worldview and yeah. truth. Like there was an episode where I think two of the characters were getting married and he literally got them to write in first Corinthians thirteen as wow. as a as part of their marriage ceremony. Mm-hmm. Now again, what, what a powerful place to be. Right. And most Absolutely. people most people will kind of just write that off and like, well, yeah, they're at a church and you're like yeah, but think about if he wasn't there, no one would have known, or that might not have even happened. Right, and no one would have been exposed to it. Right, and so, yeah, so that's and one of That's a things. good point, where the, the lot of people are willing to say and make that uh, adjustment for politics and say, like, oh, well, we want Christians in politics. Right. But then we talk about Hollywood or the music industry, mm-hmm. and we think of only the Christian film industry and only the Christian yeah. music industry, and we're like, no, 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 no. It's okay to go into those places mm-hmm. and be, like you said, salt and light to those people and yeah. influence our culture. Because if you think about it, uh, and the illustration I loved uh, that you were just talking about is like politics or downstream mm-hmm. culture, what's producing that culture. So if you think of this beautiful river, mm. right, out in Colorado somewhere, mm. beautiful Montana looking, right, no. really beautiful, up the mountain where the source of this water is coming from, and it's just pure beautiful water. You could think of that. That's how God intended it to be in the garden is he at the top of the mountain was giving us this, this culture, this lifestyle Mm -hmm. that was pure and it was innocent and it was beautiful. Yeah. And then what we chose to do is build these factories Mm -hmm. at the base of the mountain and go, you know what? The water was good, I guess. And then we change it. And now we build culture up in these factories and the output into the river. Yeah. And you think about it like that and you're like, yeah, you're polluting that. I really want a Christian working in that factory to help yeah. maintain what's getting into the water. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, gosh, oh, there was something I was just thinking about. Um, oh man, it just left my mind. But um, yeah, thinking about those things is you, we need people in those positions. Oh, that was going to say is like, and that's what I would encourage is, is young people. Um, there is the weird tension and I don't think it's just a Christian thing. I think a lot of people, there's the kind of, you are discouraged sometimes for pursuing that because it's unstable. Mm. It's not always a great work environment. As a believer, it's really hard because the world is very strong in those areas. I mean, like 
pressures to be unethical, pressures to be immoral. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a hard place to be. So not everyone can do it, but um, it's it's a good thing to be a part of. And there's ways I think to do it to be responsible to um, to take keep advantage your center, of that. keep your rock. Yeah, um, but it, it's definitely worthwhile. Uh, and there's there's something I think though that we as Christians can learn from the world too. Like we also mm-hmm. have to admit that we don't have the market on everything, you know? Right. Um, and particularly, like, you kind of brought up, like, the Christian film industry, the Christian music industry. Again, kudos to those people. You're doing it. You're trying it. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of great stuff. I love Christian music. I grew up on DC Talk and Newsboys yeah. and, uh, you know, Toby Mac then and then. But um, there's something to be said that the world actually does all those things usually better than us. Yeah. And let's just be honest. Like, Christian movies, come on. We all watch them and we kind of go, we say it was good. It was good for a Christian movie. Yeah, right. It's always, always that qualified. Caveat, you know, for a Christian movie, it's never. Man, that was as good as a Marvel movie. <laughs> right. Like, said no one ever. Right. Like it's just not a thing. And the fireproof cinematic universe. I know, right? <laughs> it just doesn't exist. And that, that there was another great, great quote that I heard in college that has always rattled in my head. Um, and it was said by this um, evangelist, um, Charles Finney, who was part of like the Second Great Awakening in America in the early 1800s and stuff. And, and he had this great quote that says, back then, stage theaters. But he says, theaters are full because the world lies well, while churches are empty because they tell the truth poorly. Wow. That'll do it. And I was like, how, how true is that for today? Yeah. Like, think about that. Sitting like, you know, 7 p.m. at night is full on your couch because the world lies really well with TV shows. Right. But we think about, could you get people to sit down every night at from 8 to 9 p.m. or 9 to 10 p.m. for something from your church? Probably and that's not. even for me. Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's yeah. for us. I'm like, yeah, we, 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 have, we haven't paid attention to how people receive things, the power of that story, the, you know, just... Although even sometimes the art and the technique. Now, it used to be, I think, that believers were pushing that. You mm-hmm. know, if you think about, you know, believers were leading in, sci- in, like in the sciences, people who, or at least, you know, deists, wherever you want to get into it, people who acknowledged God were pushing forward, were innovating, were artistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you can go through history and figure out why, but there was a bit of a regression and a pulling away from elements of society into those kind of, there was a book I read in college called roaring lambs and it was about kind of how christians interact with culture i can't remember who it was by i meant to look it up Mm -hmm. but the author had this term that was really like harsh when you think about it but he said christians have ghettoized ourselves we put ourselves in a separate area correct and we say hey this is this is just our spot yep don't engage with us we won't engage with you we don't want any of your stuff we have to keep it all to our we just want to do our own thing and isolate ourselves into this little bubble right and, and that and that's where you get that culture you're talking about where like boycotting yeah. movies or book series. Like I remember there was a lot of harshness uh, to the Harry Potter series when it came yeah. out. Oh yeah. Right. And there's a lot of the same themes in Narnia. Yeah. Or Lord by of the Rings. C.S. Lewis or Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Which have a more, you know, Christian viewpoint. But then Admittedly. you look at it and you can say, look, and I read this amazing book. Uh, Dr. Dan Delosier gave it to me oh, yeah. at, at CIU and I read it. It was fantastic. And Dr. it was called Dan's The Gospel. Awesome according to Harry Potter. Mm. And the whole book went through all of the series and found all of the gospel connections that you can make. And it's not saying that Harry Potter, you know, that uh, that she wrote the book with Jesus in mind for Harry Potter. 100% not. Obviously not. Yeah. But it's the concept that, look, if you engage 
what's popular in culture. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, you can have so many different ways to talk to people about Christ that they won't even think that that's what that conversation is about, but they're being led into yep. a place where it's like, look, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this story. Right. Yeah. And, and to me, that's being, um, to use a bigger term, a good cultural exegete. You mm-hmm. know, when you talk about the idea of exegeting something is, is finding the truth there and pulling it out. I'm pretty sure that's the basic rough definition. It's yeah. been a few years since I've been in Bible college. but Dr. Crutchfield will forgive you. I know. Thank you. <laughs> um, but can we, can we do what Paul did in Acts when he went to Athens and he, he, he went around, saw all their idols, and said, you have, I see you have, I see you already have one idol to an unnamed God or an unknown God. Let me tell you what that is. He's he able took, to engage it. He took something from their culture that already existed. He didn't try to import a new framework. Mm-hmm. He took their existing cultural framework and said, that's something I can use. Yeah. I mean, it's what missionaries try to do all the time, but we don't think in our own cultural context that we should view our own culture as a missions field, and we need to exegete culture and start to go, what can I use in this? You know, what is true in Harry Potter? No, there's a lot that's not. And yeah, to the extent that it might turn impressionable young people onto witchcraft, yeah, be wise. How, mm-hmm. Again, that goes to me is be wise how you consume culture. You can be the judge at what age you allow your kids to watch Harry Potter right. and get, or engage with, you know, X number of, you know, movies and TV shows. But but there's probably some truth there. Like the, yeah. the bonds of friendship in Harry Potter, some of the themes of sacrifice, just even the fact that there's the stark contrast of good and evil. Absolutely. It's a great jumping off point. Fantastic. Why, why is Voldemort evil? What, it, what, it, what really, what makes something evil? Mm-hmm. Like even just that, like has anyone really thought through what makes something evil? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. And then like to me, that's where you can go, well, can you have evil without good? Okay, well, how do you know something's good? Is it just on your feeling? And then boom, you're having a deep conversation yeah. that could change someone's life because then, again, you learn how to tell our story well as Christians Correct. and you learn the story of the gospel, not just the, the knowledge of the gospel, but the story of the gospel, the yeah. compelling narrative that brought us to faith. Because you can think back to when you were told the story well. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Because we've all heard gospel presentations that were not told well, and yeah. we've all heard gospel presentations that were told with power, right. that they brought those story elements where they're like, listen to this wonderful story I have to tell you. Right. And people are captivated. And it's not just, like and it's not like, I love like also what Malcolm was saying last week, and it's not just the story of how to avoid hell and get into heaven. Mm-hmm. It has to be so much bigger. How because do you do pe- life now? Yeah, how, how are people living here? And like, and to me, the funny thing when I think about it is, I was thinking about the story, and we're like, when when God was, because it's not just the story of Jesus's life, also it's it's all of life, it's it's creation to the end. It's is there a story for why does this world exist to begin with? Mm-hmm. Why are people here? You know, it is that kind of what is there a, and I think about, you know, God is in the business of telling stories. When when the Israelites left Egypt. He's trying to create a nation. He's, he's trying to create, he's creating this whole new thing. So think mm-hmm. about, he's, he is leading people to create this new thing that's other than the ones around them, like right. the church now. And so what he doesn't just, he gives them law, but he doesn't just give them law because what we believe is that's when Moses, or somewhere around there, Moses writes the first five books of the Old Testament. The whole book of Genesis is story. Absolutely. 
and even the first chapter is really artistic story. Absolutely. And so, and because what, what I think God realized, not just realized, but what God knew is that if you're trying to create a new culture, a new culture needs a new story. Absolutely. And they it's and have the, its own base. And one of the things that really stood out to me when I took Old Testament was the fact that, you know, they had, yeah, they were Jewish, but they had, they were Egyptian. For mm-hmm. 400 years, if you live in a place for 400 years and you're surrounded by... You're going to pick up a few things. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Your gods will be the Egyptian gods. Your understanding, like you think about the kids who grew up and the only major story, because they didn't have Genesis, the only story they had for the origin of the universe is probably Ra and all the other gods. And what they're hearing about or right. hearing about from their parents with Abraham. Right, and and, like, but okay. that's, that's a loose story. That's 400 yeah. years ago. Like that's hard to maintain even in a very you know Structured transmitted society, culture. Yeah. And so God goes, you need a new story. So I'm going to, and not just make one up. We believe it is the truth. This is what happened. But he, he didn't, and he didn't just write it in a, well, step one I did. He told them this really rich story. I mean, and think about, think about the storytelling of, in the beginning, God created mm. the heavens and the earth. And how that cuts against everything they've known before. You know, it's not raw, it's not all, whatever, I'm going to get Egyptian mythology mm-hmm. wrong. But, and then he goes, and then he said, let there be light. He didn't say, I created a sun. Like, it's just so beautifully poetic. Um, so, but that, to me, that's, again, that's that power of story. And like you said, we need to be able to tell it in a way. And there is, I think one of the last quotes I'll bring up, because I know we'll probably have to draw to the end here, is mm-hmm. I was reading a book one time by um, John Piper, and it was actually a book talking about um, I think gender differences, roles, men and women, which is, again, I think a deep thing that's needed in our society from a biblical point of view is, mm-hmm. have we given people a beautiful story for sexual identity? Yeah. And I don't think we, and one of the things that he said that I just loved is it's, I mean, this goes to a sexual identity, but also just, I think, to everything and how we communicate. Is he says, we must commend the beauty as well as the truth of the vision. So whatever our vision is for the world, we have to come in, not just how true it is, but how beautiful it is. Absolutely. He says, we must show that something is not only right, but also good. It is not only valid, but also valuable. Mm-hmm. Not only accurate, but also admirable. And I think for too long, we've all landed on those kind of first things. Well, this is true, this is valid, and this is accurate. You want to be precise. And I like that. But people aren't persuaded by that. Right. At least not in these generations. In you know, in a postmodern millennial Gen Z world, you want to see: is this is this good? Mm-hmm. Is this beautiful? Is this admirable? Is this desirable? I think that's a big thing. Is it's de- and and really, we as Christians have the most desirable story to tell. Absolutely, the Creator God, who's bigger than Thanos, who could ruin everything, but He created it all. Decided, I actually like you. I created you to know me. You rebelled against me and in, you incurred punishment. But this whole rest of the story has been this beautiful dance of me trying to teach you who I am, how to have a relationship with me, and mm-hmm. then coming to redeem, to rescue, to restore. I mean, it's, it's so dramatic. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's a amazing. wonderful story. And it's a wonderful story. And to me, I go back to that thing in Seoul. If I was going to answer people, like, and you go, well, that's a complicated message. And I think not really, like for, for thousands of years, the church has had the answer. Maybe we used to tell it better, but if you could say, what is the purpose of life? The purpose of life is to glorify God. Right. And people are like, well, that's anticlimactic. And you're like, do you 
really understand what let that means. Let me tell you why it's not. Let me tell you how beautiful of a story it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your insight in the movie and how we can engage our culture. I will highly recommend this movie to you. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's also a great conversation starting piece, but also dig into your own story. Dig into the story of Christ and the Gospels and who we are as a people identified by Christ's own name as Christians. Where do we get our story from? Where do we get our name from? What does that mean? So dig into that story, learn how to tell the story well, and learn from our culture how to tell stories well. And I think that that will serve you well. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, whether you're watching online or uh, wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts. Like, share, subscribe. Thank you so much for the views, for the listens. We can't wait to talk to you next week. Thanks.